Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. People are often very interested uh, by conversations between powerful people, right? Just think if, you know, secretly recorded audio is leaked from, uh, you know, some big business boardroom or the halls of power in Washington, D.C. or some other government, right? People will be very interested in what's going on in the inner workings of this business or this government, uh, right? We're, We're fascinated by that. Well, there should be really a conversation that fascinates us more than any other, as today we get a glimpse of the son talking to the father. Uh, There could be no more powerful uh, pair to converse together than the son with the father. And today we look at John chapter 17, what's often known as the high priestly prayer, but we get this glimpse really into the Trinity, into the relationship of the son with the Father, as in this prayer, Jesus is praying to the Father, and, and we get the whole chapter just recording Jesus's prayer. What an incredible window! What an incredible glimpse! And it's not something that you're gonna, you know, see online. It's something that's right here in the Bible for us to read. So let's look at our New Testament portion today, John chapter 17. Now, again, for the context, we've been going through the life of Christ in chronological order with all four gospels. We get to the last supper, which all four gospels talk about, but then John gives us this extended uh, look into the conversations that happened that night. And the last couple chapters, uh, the last few chapters, actually, we've been really looking at the conversations with Jesus and his disciples. Well, now in chapter 17, we get a glimpse of a conversation between Jesus and his father. And really one side, we get to see Jesus talking to his father. And this is a glimpse that should change our prayers and even inform our prayers today. Uh, This Uh, section has been traditionally broken down into three sections, and it might even look like that in the paragraphs in your Bible. Mine kind of breaks the first part from verses 1 to 5, and then 6 through 19, and then 20 through 26. And the common way to break down this chapter is, well, first, Jesus, he uh, prays for himself and really talks to the Father uh, that way. And then in the next section, he prays for his disciples. Uh, He prays for these uh, men that he has spent the last three years of his life with. And then in the last section, he prays for the church, really beyond just those disciples. He prays for all who will believe in me through their word. And I think you can summarize each section with one word. And the, let's, let's go section by section. The first section, that word really is glorify. You see, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, fascinating what's going on in those verses, but you can see what drives Jesus, even in his prayers, is the glory of God, right? And really, that because he is God, that includes his own glory, and he talks really about how he has wants to glorify you. And even the reason he wants the father to glorify him is so that the son may glorify you. The beating heart of Jesus's prayer is the glory of God. Is that the beating heart of your prayer? And even this is a glimpse of Jesus praying. Think of how Jesus taught us to pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, what does that mean? Well, glorify your name. Let your name be honored and magnified like it should be. And we see that really the beauty of salvation and the beauty of eternal life comes from who God is because he defines eternal life for us here. He doesn't say, and this is eternal life, that people might live forever. No, it's more than just a quantity of life. It is a quality of life. And that quality of life comes from knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what makes eternal life what it is, knowing God, because he is so glorious and his son is glorious. And so that should motivate our own prayers. That should also inform our own thoughts of why is the Christian life really as good as it is? And it's not merely, well, because then I get to go to heaven when I die. It's no, I I get to know God. And remember, even that's why heaven's going to be so good, because then we will be with God. So it all really flows from the glory of God. And that should inform our minds, that should inform our prayers, that should change our lives today, that it is all about the glory of God. So that first section, the main word is glorify. The second section, I'd say the main word is keep. Uh, In verse 11, he says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And that really is going to tie together a concept that comes, we'll, we'll dig more into later, but that keep them in your name. And you see that sense that, hey, they are going to be in the world, but they are not to be of the world. And in verse 16, he said, or verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them or set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. And so there you see that God's people are to be sanctified. God's people are to be set apart from uh, the world and the evil that is in the world and the evil one. And that is a great prayer, again, for ourselves. That's a great prayer for your Christian friends. We know that our adversary, the devil, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so we should pray for our friends. God, keep them from the evil one. We all have to deal with the lies of the deceitfulness of sin, which attack our hearts every day. And so we need to beware, uh, right? It even uh, refers to to Judas who fell away. And there will be people we know that that fall away. And our prayer for our, our brothers and sisters in Christ would be, God, keep them, keep them in your name. And I think we even see elements in this of, you know, ways God, yes, he will keep those who are his, but also ways that we need to be instructed. Hey, I need to hold on to God's word. If I'm going to be sanctified, it's through the truth of God's word. And so that should be a motive for you to say, hey, if 
I want to make sure that I am kept. You know, it gets back to chapter 15. I need to abide in Christ, abide in his word, let his words abide in me, right? That that's what God is calling me to do. But also I can even do that with a trust. God will keep me. He will protect me. And that should bring joy to our prayers. And then in the last section, Jesus prays for the church. And I think the operative word there is one, um, That's what he wants for them. He wants them to be unified. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. All right. And he wants the church to experience this unity, but also we see some of the the bases for this unity. It is based on the truth. Even verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now you might say, well, one of the, I I live, I, I was born in the 1900s or maybe even the 2000s. And I never met one of the apostles. They didn't share the gospel with me. Well, have you ever read the New Testament? That was written through their influence. I mean, this is really referring to the doctrine, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So this unity must be based on the truth of God's word. It's really centered again on the glory of God. But these should be things that we are seeking. Uh, Glorify, keep, and one. And, And there's balance to even think through in our own minds as we think through these things, right? Well, we know that there are Christians that are falling away. We know that there are uh, churches that are teaching a false message. And that is the opposite of being kept. That's hey, church is leading people astray. But we also know we've probably seen sometimes Christians we we actually love division and we love to kind of cannibalize one in, one another and take pot shots at one another and criticize every little thing that is that is different. And I think this passage should even inform some of the ways that we think through that that there is a unity that we should have with other Christians. Um, And that unity needs to be based on the word of God. And so that should help us realize, hey, there's going to be things I don't disagree on on every issue or how everything is applied. But hey, if these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm spending eternity with them. But then sometimes, and we need to maybe think through the importance of certain issues. Hey, whoa, this is is serious. And this is unfaithful. And this is causing people to fall away away. And hopefully God can give us grace uh, to think through that well. And I think as we see the persecution that Jesus talked about earlier ramp up, hopefully that'll make some of this clearer. Whereas the persecution rises, we'll look at other brothers and sisters who are standing faithfully for Christ. And we'll say, hey, I might disagree with them on this and that, but hey, we're in the same boat of the world hates us. And so we're sticking together, even if we might disagree about some minor doctrinal differences. And hopefully that's something we can think clearly on in the days to come in our own lives. So think through those things, even pray through those things today, that God would be glorified, that you and your brothers and sisters in Christ that you're walking through life with would be kept and that we would be one. Pray for your local church, even pray for your community, that all the Christians there, even though there may be various churches or denominations, that those who are holding faithful to the word of God would would have a unity even amongst themselves that is transparent to others that don't know Christ. These are good things for us to pray for today. 
Uh, now, let's go to the Old Testament, where we are starting 2 Samuel today, 2 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. And as we look at these chapters, chapter 1, you see this report of the death of King Saul, and clearly this guy is being dishonest that comes and brings the report. It does seem that he thinks David will uh, favor him because he killed Saul. Well, he clearly does not know David. This guy ends up being killed because David says, how could you confess? You, you've condemned yourself with your own mouth uh, because you, you're saying you've killed the Lord's anointed. And then you see this incredible psalm, uh, a song of lament over Saul and Jonathan. Maybe that's something to even think about. Saul was David's enemy, yet he laments when he dies. Uh, and I think there should be, uh, you know, some element of that. You know, if you think through someone that, that is, you feels like your enemy, would there be some level of lament uh, when he dies? And then in chapter two, we start to see this conflict between David and this guy named Ishbosheth, who was a son of Saul. And we start to see there's this war between David's house and his house. Whoa. Why is it that before David is like, whoa, 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 I, I can't do anything. I'm not going to attack Saul. I'm, I'm not going to do this. He's the Lord's anointed. And now there is war. Well, Ishbosheth was not the Lord's anointed. At this point, David was. David was the Lord's anointed. And what uh, Ishbosheth and really Abner are doing is rebelling against the will of God. And we'll see how that all plays out in uh, the coming chapters. But uh, we get a little bit of that history as we come into 2 Samuel. But as you spend time praying today, I would encourage you to think about this prayer of Jesus Christ, the conversation that you've heard between um, the son talking to his father. And may that, exp may that affect what's on our own hearts and what's in our own prayers today. Uh, thank you for digging into God's Word with me uh, on today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.